It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast presented by Planet Fitness. It's the Bengals edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor. Joined today by Jay Morrison, uh, now officially of The Athletic, formerly of the Dayton Daily News. Jay, uh, first and foremost, let's talk about your personal move to The Athletic. And, and for those that aren't familiar, and there's a lot of hardcore sports fans that are, but those that are maybe not familiar, tell them about The Athletic and tell them about your move. Uh, yeah, the, the Athletic is a, a fairly new um, website, and it's 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 great. They, they've got an incredible roster of writers there. And what, what makes it really unique is – other than the fact that it is, it's, it's solely funded by subscriptions. There's no ads. There's not going to get clickbait headlines. You're not going to get pop-up videos that make it hard to read the stories. But, but what I really like about it, I think what all of our subscribers really like about it, is you totally customize your experience on that page. You, you pick the cities. You pick the sports. You pick, you pick the teams that you're interested in reading about, and then that's all that shows up. And then if something happens where you do want to, you know, say this week with the Bills coming up against the Bengals, if you do want to read against the Bills or about the Bills, it's just a click away. You can still get that stuff too. So you, you pick your experience, you tailor it the way you want. Uh, you, you get the whole thing for about the cost of a beer a month. So it, it, it's a great deal. Depends on your taste in beer. It could be multiple beers for me a month. So there you go. <laughs> that, that wouldn't be all bad. Well, congratulations to you. Uh, um, been covering it for the Bengals for a long time. So you've been on this beat for a while and it's kind of seamless because you've been here since again, the start of training camp and you kind of work right into to where we are today. Let's talk about the, the news of kind of the week, the release of George Iloka. Um, I think you and I and a bunch of people were kind of hinted at back in March that this might take place. They went shopping for safeties in, in the offseason, uh, uh, looking at, at Kirk Coleman, looking at Eric Reed, didn't sign either, one for one reason, one for another. Um, the only thing I guess that took me by surprise is it, it, it just didn't feel like once training camp had started that this was a move that was coming. But the overall crux of this is it isn't overly surprising for multiple reasons. It's not at all. The only thing I find surprising is the timing. Of right. it. I didn't expect it to happen this fast. I thought they would go into, and I know everyone else did. Everyone does their 53-man roster projections, and no one had George Cut. We all expected him to start the season and maybe lose the job to, to Jesse at some point. Um, you're right. It's not like Jesse has been fantastic, and it's not like George has been all that bad, but it, it's, it's just one of those things. It, it, it makes sense on, on so many levels because you've got the money factor. That always factors into these things. And, and with them trying to extend Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins and some other guys, this clears some money off the books. It also kind of rewards George for, for a good career, being a solid teammate, a solid you know person, just a great guy for the community. Now he's got three weeks, basically, before the, the week one opener. To, to find a team. To find a team, right. catch on, learn that system. May not be that difficult if it's Oakland, where, or I'm sorry, if it's the Raiders, because with Paul Gunther out there, he, he knows him well, he knows his system. Um, that that's something where that would be a seamless fit. I could easily see him going there and, and jumping right in day one to be the starter. But uh, it was interesting today. What 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 uh, defense coordinator Terrell Austin said was it that the reason they got. Jesse Bates was for his ball skills. They want more turnovers. They need more turnovers. And we haven't seen that really in, in OTA or camps or, camp right. or preseason games. But what we did see Saturday night in Dallas was his ability to stick his nose in there and make tackles in the run game and, and to rally to the, to the ball after passes were caught and get guys down, no missed tackles, really solid tackling. And I think it was that performance that really kind of 
put him over the top and said, let's make the move right now. Because Austin said, that's the one question we had about him. And yeah, it's just one preseason game. But in their minds, he answered that question Saturday night. Yeah, th- there's a faction of fans that are going to say, why not keep George Iloka around as an insurance policy? Um, and, and let's face it, you got Clayton Fedulum as a backup guy, and he started some games in the league. He hasn't completely proven himself. After that, it's really untested, guys. But I think the overriding point is that I don't think you're going to pay that kind of money just for insurance sake and for the fact that you just brought up it frees up money now to go ahead and, and try to re-sign Geno Atkins, try to re-sign Carlos Dunlap. You have all three of your main tight ends who are going to be free agents after this season. I don't think they're going to get extensions now, obviously. Tyler Eifert certainly is not. Um, but it does allow you to, to to focus on some guys that you're looking to extend. Yeah, and, and, the, and the people that are asking that are wondering about it. I mean, would, would they be willing to have their home insurance payment be the same as their mortgage? <laughs> I mean, it's just way too expensive to, to keep a backup. He, he plays about a third of the snaps on special teams, and and if he's if he's a backup at safety, it, he just, it just doesn't make sense financially to do that to, to keep him around just for for that purpose. And you know he he is a team guy, a good guy, but you know he wouldn't have been happy in that situation. You, you never know how things devolve that way. It was just best to cut ties. Um, I, I've had a lot of people ask me about why not trade him. Well, it's for the same reason. No one's going to trade Correct. the guy and pay that salary when they know that they can get him. On much the cheaper. Free agent Mu- much cheaper. Much cheaper. And the whole safety position has really been devalued this offseason. We saw really good guys, Vaccaro, Boston, Eric Reed, all those guys without jobs up until right at the start of camp. So uh, it, it's something that it, it just it made sense to, to cut the ties and, and not keep that big of a salary on the on the roster. Yeah. Um, we were in a group that got a chance to talk to Jesse Bates today. Um, and I thought he was really matter of fact, kind of stoic to some degree. Um, when he fielded questions, there was a quiet confidence there without a cockiness that he feels like, Hey, I've studied my playbook. It makes me confident. Um, I think I, I, you know, I can go tackle people and I will eventually make plays on the football. I thought he came off great. Um, now it's just a matter of, of can we see that on the football field? Yeah. And, 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 you always wonder about those situations because if people aren't familiar, the way the Bengals locker room is, there's two rooms. And you got the main locker room, and then you got the rookie room. And he wasn't the only one in that rookie room, and, and he and he wasn't the only he was the only one. I'm sorry, doing an interview, so he knows every other rookie and there's watching him, and, and he's you know he's putting on a performance for them as well as you know trying to answer our questions. And um, I, you're right, he came off really well, and, and to his credit, he he gave George credit for helping him get ahead with the playbook, and and you know he. he he, he wasn't none of the none of them were spouting the you know it's a business these things happen they 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 all were genuinely sad to see George go and, and generally grateful for for what he brought to them personally and to the team as a whole yeah no doubt let's talk about the game on Saturday the the, the Cowboys game um and, and it really you never really look at the final score that's that's irrelevant to a large degree um there was some good that we'll talk about in the second half that led to the final score being what it was but. When you watch that first-team offense in the first half, you watch that right side of the line, you watch even further out at right tackle, are they any closer to answers in your opinion at that position, and what do they do moving forward there? I think they are closer to an answer, but it's just because they're out of options. I mean, it's not. It's basically said, oh boy, he didn't win the job or really instill any confidence that he's going to be able to. And as bad as Bobby Hart played, I think they've got to stick with him there because – you know, he 
he was going against a pro bowler in DeMarco Lawrence, DeMarcus Lawrence. Right? And, and he looked like a pro bowl, and some of that body heart allowed that to happen. Some of it is DeMarcus Lawrence is really good. Right, and he was going to you know, probably do that to anybody. But whereas Obway, he comes in, and he's – you know, Taco Charlton was a high draft pick, but he's still not in the class of DeMarcus Lawrence. And, and he he struggled not only with the blocking, but, you know, he had, he had a false start penalty. We've seen that with him. He's had penalty issues. And then, you know, just the one that – you know, kind of makes you scratch your head is he, he gets a holding penalty on a play where he also gave up a sack. <laughs> yeah, it's, he's holding the guy as the guy is tackling the quarterback. So he failed to block him and he failed to hold him well. And you, know, you just can't have Andy Dalton get hit like that. And it's 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 something they've got to get fixed, but I don't know how they fix it with the, the way the current roster is con- constructed because it doesn't look like there's any great options out there at right tackle, right guard. You know, you have some options there. Yeah. You do, and and it was interesting too that they, they brought Trey Hopkins, who started at right right guard. They brought him in as the second team center, and so you know maybe they are thinking that they can go with one of those other options, and, and they're getting ready because you know T.J. Johnson I think is, is on the chopping block. I'm right. not sure he's going to make this team. So it, it's just one of those things they they've got to figure it out. Uh, that that's why they brought Frank Pollock in to get this sorted out. They knew they weren't going to draft seven linemen this year, um, but. If they don't get it fixed, it, it, it's going to look like last year. It, Andy Dalton's going to be running for his life. They're not going to get the run game going, and, and this offense may not be dead last in the league again, but they're going to be down there. No question. And, and it doesn't it doesn't look fixable, and you were almost – and I don't think they're going to answer this question yet. I brought it up on Twitter after the game. I, I even wrote a little bit about it after the game that, you know, your nuclear option is moving Clint Bowling out there. I don't think they're there yet, but I don't think you can also waste time with this either. If Bobby Hart doesn't show anything early, you've got to make a decision fast. The other one is, for me, Jake Fisher made some strides at right tackles last year, went along before he had the irregular heartbeat and was gone. Not a lot of strides, but some. We've seen him almost primarily at left tackle throughout camp. At what point does that maybe become an option? And I'm probably asking you when I need to ask Frank Pollock this question on Wednesday when we corner him. Um, but it seems like they've almost given up on that part of the equation where Jake started to get a little comfortable last year. Yeah, and they did use him at right tackle, or they have used him in, in practice some. They've, they've, they've been flipping him. But in the games, it seems like, yeah, they're just going left side and making him Cordy Glenn's backup, which is important with Cordy Glenn's sure. is his injury, injury history. Sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, maybe that is an option if, if things melt down, the way, they keep melting down the way they did on the right side of the line. It, it, they've got guys – to plug in there, it's just they're looking for the quality, and and so far it hasn't showed up. And you wonder, could a guy like Kent Perkins sneak up and and be an option? They they've they've held him out, and, and you know he's been like a third string guy, but he's looked pretty decent in practice. He's, he's had his moments, and and we've seen him take some second team rep, reps yeah. in practice. So yeah, yeah. Um, backup quarterback, is it any closer to being settled, or did it get even muddied because? You really didn't get a lot from from Matt Barkley playing with the threes. He threw for a fifty or forty-four yard screen pass, but a lot of that was Brian Brian Hill's doing. Um, did lead him to, to two scores, a touchdown, thanks to Brian Hill on 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 the one drive, accounting for all fifty-nine yards. The other one kind of penalty laden that led to a field goal. And Jeff Driscoll though had a very good drive, six of eight, eighty-two yards. The second really long drive he's kind of led the offense on, played with a a, a more advanced group. Are they closer in your opinion, or does this literally go down to how they play this coming week when they're not going to probably play a lot because the ones will play more and or the last week, or is this really Matt Barkley's job to lose and no matter what Jeff Driscoll does, he can't win it? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's clear that, that Driscoll's outplayed him. I, I guess what it comes down to is, is what's their philosophy, and Marvin's never going to tell us that. But but if you're looking for the best option to step in, in in case of an Andy Dalton injury and help this team win games, right now it looks like Driscoll's the guy. But if, if you're looking for that backup spot to be like a second quarterback coach to, to walk Andy through some things, let him know when he's seeing on the sideline, you want a guy like Barkley that's been in there and, and played in games and, and knows the league. You know, Jeff Driscoll's not done that. So I, I think that's what it's going to come down to is just which which way they want to go with that. And, I mean, the option's always on the table to keep three. They did it. And it is. And it, it's funny because I think we've all talked and written about it being a, a race to who the second guy is and there won't be a third. It is an option. I don't think it's a viable option, but but I'll let you espouse that because it, it is an option that I don't think we've all even considered um, long term. Yeah, because, I mean, Jeff Driscoll does have practice squad eligibility, but they're not sneaking him through to the practice Correct. squad. Not with the way he's not played now. in yep. the preseason. Um, maybe, he, I mean, if they, they were to wave him, maybe he goes back to San Francisco and becomes Jimmy G's backup out there, you know, where, where the Bengals got him from. Um, Matt Barkley, you know, doesn't have practice squad eligibility. If they were to cut him, I, I don't know. Maybe another team picks him up to be that veteran backup to help a young quarterback. But I, I think a lot of teams are pretty much settled on that part of their, their roster right now. So, I don't know. It, a lot and, of it depends. And not to cut you off, let's not forget that when A.J. McCarron got the backup job, it really was an unproven A.J. McCarron other than an inter-squad scrimmage that he played very well in and a couple of preseason games. Even then, until he finally got in a regular season game, you still didn't really know. So, maybe that does lend itself to saying, we'll roll the dice with Jeff Driscoll. It, it really is an interesting question. Yeah, and it's kind of the same thing with A.J. Where they had, you know, Josh Johnson. They, they had right. Kowski during Andy. That was before A.J. McCarron. But they had some of those veteran guys around early in Andy's career, but it was one of those things, I think, with AJ, where they, they, they liked the promise that, that he showed, and, and they weren't, they knew they were going to sneak him through a practice squad if, if they cut him, so just a lot of it's going to come down to that numbers game where, you know, maybe they, they feel really good about a position where they could go light, defensive line comes to mind, they, they've got so much talent there, they've got guys that can play inside, outside, um, you know, maybe everyone is wondering if, if it's the young kids that, that, that you know, jump up and take Michael Johnson's job. Maybe it's a third-string quarterback that takes that job. Yeah, right. Exactly right. Um, speaking of those young kids, um, again, these are against backups, but, but boy, it looked like men against boys with Carl Lawson, Sam Hubbard, um, Jordan Willis. Uh, they, they are pushing that spot to where you have to wonder what can they get out of Michael Johnson and what's the point at this stage of the game. They still believe very much in him. Obviously, he's still running with the ones, but – the, the young ends um, are, are showing they've got some depth at that position group. Especially Hubbard because he, he, he's in the Michael Johnson role. He plays inside, inside on, and yeah, outside. In, in nickel, correct. And, and he's been effective at both. And it, it, it's just one of the – and we forget, you, know, you didn't mention Glasgow and, and Billings, right. too, who are we're young playing, guys who aren't playing against the scrubs. They are, they are in the game early. Billings is playing great. He is. Just unbelievable. And then it all goes back to you know the, the second year back after the knee injury, just more confident, more sure of what he's doing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think that there's a weak link. Even Okoye played really good. Yes, he did. Yeah. I mean, right. there's not a weak link on that defensive line, and I just think that that's one reason that that you know we may have seen the end of Michael Johnson's career in Cincinnati. I don't think he's done. I, I think he could go somewhere else and and play another year or two. But it, it, it just again the finances come into play there too. He's he's not making huge money, but it is significantly more than those kids are making, and, and 
every penny counts when you're trying to give a contract to a guy like Gino or Carlos who are going to be getting lots and lots of money. Well, that lends me to the next question. I've got a couple more. Is 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 there another surprising cut before we get through the 53? Is it Michael Johnson? I'll bring up another name. Is it Ryan Hewitt? Is it the fact of you watch Brian Hill, you watch Trey Carson, do you keep both of those guys, which would mean four running backs and no fullback, or does it become, and Mark Walton probably will be kept as well, the fourth-round draft choice, or if we've seen Ryan Hewitt, they've kept him around, Bill Lazor's talked about how much he wants to utilize him as a fullback, but you haven't seen a ton of it at this point in the preseason, and I'm just not sure where the fit is for Ryan Hewitt. Are there a couple of guys, Johnson, Hewitt, any others that would, would surprise you? Or am I reaching out with, hey, you don't think Hewitt is a surprise, that he'll, he'll, he'll make this football team? I, I would be surprised if they cut him, but not shocked. He, his rookie year, he played, I think, 45% of the snaps. And then it went down to, like, 33, and then 22, and then 11 last year. And then he played three snaps Saturday night when they are trying to establish a run game. Uh He's, he's, he's really effective when he's in there. I just... It's just not in there. <laughs> he's just not... Yeah, they don't use him. And, and I don't know if it's because he, he, the one-trick pony thing where, you know, you, you, you stick him in there, everybody knows what's coming, and, and he's, he's not going to give you much option as a receiver. So, yeah, that, that could be... If, if you're not going to use him... And, again, they're paying him pretty good money for an H-back. And if, if you're not going to use him, then maybe you do part ways with him and, and try to keep... A spot somewhere else. Maybe we see some more two backs, and it's not like Geo's going to line up as a fullback for Joe Mixon right. or anything. But but maybe they they go the whole deceptive route where the Bengals have have really kind of shied away from. They've been really reluctant to put two backs in. The John back. Gruden's going with the old split backs. That's right. Yeah. And it, I mean, yeah, it's you're basically taking a guy out and making him just a decoy with nothing else. But when you've got two guys as dynamic as Geo and Joe Mixon, maybe that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, the secondary, we, we've we've not seen much out of the backups in camp, but we've seen back-to-back pretty good games from Kavari Russell, who's probably getting closer to solidifying a spot. Darius Phillips' returner the other night was, was really good. How much did Darius Phillips need that, and where do they stand, in your opinion, with some of those backup cornerbacks? I, I mean, I definitely think he needed that because he does not look good on defense. If, if he's, if he's going to carve out that niche, it's going to be there. But it's, you know, they – I don't know if you can cut Alex Erickson. That's you know those those are his jobs, those return jobs, and he, he's and he's he I, I see what plays. he's 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 a very effective. I, I told somebody the other day, Jay, I'm not so sure he's not the third best receiver. I, I really yeah. mean that. I, he, all I know is the guy gets open, the guy makes catches when it's thrown his way. That's all I know is what I see. He doesn't drop him. Ever. Correct. And and then you see the the whole toe tap thing on the sideline. He's just one of those crafty guys that find, I don't know if it's because people underestimate him, but you would think after this many years in the right. league, they'd be ready for him. I don't think you can cut him. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think Darius Phillips might be practice squad bound. I, I just – they need help. They need, they need depth at corner. But he, he hasn't been good enough to, to warn a spot on the No, I, I, wrote, I wrote that, that honestly, C.J. Goodwin in practice might be the best backup corner they have in practice. Now, Kavari, to his credit, has played well in the two games. He's graded out pretty well from pro football focus, so that kind of backs that up a little bit. But in practice, C.J. Goodwin, who – is on his fourth team since the 2017 season even ended um, and just was signed a couple of weeks ago, might be the best backup corner I've seen in camp. And that's a good thing and a bad thing because he's got experience, but you wonder why <laughs> four, teams, four in. teams in this short amount of time. And, and Kivari is just a weird – I mean, he has he is not he's, – he's what you call a gamer. I right. mean, he, does, he gets burned all the time in practice, but when the lights come on in the game, he has looked really good. Although the, the pass breakup he had on that the, the pass down the sideline um, at Dallas – that was, I mean, it was a nice play, but he, he had no idea where the ball Correct. was. He just Correct. stuck his hand up and, and got lucky and made a play. Uh, well, I don't know if lucky is the right word, but it, it, 
it's just one of those things where he ha- he has a knack in the games. I mean, remember a couple of years ago he played one snap and it was an interception. Correct. Right. All year. Uh, he's just one of those guys that when when the the lights come on he he plays his best and uh, you know he was a high draft pick. He I mean obviously there's potential there and but with C.J. Goodwin you know maybe he just he is so new to the team, and as he gets more and more comfortable in the system, maybe he is the guy that sneaks in and, and steals that. And for those that want to, Devontae Harris, we saw him in the locker room today with a knee brace. He went out of the game with a knee injury, didn't return. That happens sometimes in preseason. It doesn't mean anything. But seeing him today, I'm not so sure his status moving forward is anything other than, than, than IR if he were to do that. Or if he has to come back, they, they sneak in the practice squad too. Yeah, cause, and, and that's the thing. Both of him and Filch are both fifth-round picks. I, I think there's a good chance to get him on the practice squad, especially because they haven't shown much. But Derry, uh, Devontae Harris is, is, is like Phillips. He, he hasn't shown a lot to, to really to warrant a, a spot. And now, I mean, it would seem unlikely he's going to play against Buffalo. Right. And, you know, if, if, who knows, with any kind of knee injury like that, maybe they play it safe and he's not he doesn't play against Indy too. And then it, it does come down to, you know, do you – put him on IR and just end the season right now or do you roll the dice and, and try to put him on the practice squad? Because I do think they would win that game. Boy. I, I, I do too. No, I, I do too. There's, there's not enough stuff on game tape for him um, unless somebody really loved him coming out of college and felt like, hey, that, that's a guy that we want. Well, the Bengals did because a lot Correct. of people thought they reached for him. Right. Point, Correct. So, yeah, I, I think he would be a, a safe bet for the practice squad. Yeah. All right. Lastly, it, it, Marvin Lewis, after the game, said it's not a competition. Um, I believe that. I've never thought it was a competition, and I'm talking about John Brown versus versus Randy Bullock. But I guess the question is, why isn't it? Why shouldn't it be? Um, Randy Bullock's done everything he's been asked in camp. He was 18 to 20 on field goals last year. Um, he's made kicks in games. All of the things that, that you want. Coaches want to trust guys, and right now I think I brought up a question on Sports Authority on Sunday night on Local 12 of if I were to tell you right now game one, there's a 39-yard field goal to win it, Deep down, who do you trust, Randy Bullock or Jonathan Brown? And it's a fair question because I think that's where the coaches are is, deep down, who do I really trust? But should this be a competition? And is this kid maybe at least made it an inkling of one? I don't think it is a competition because trust is the key word. He's not done it in a real game. It's like we saw last year. I mean, Randy Bullock didn't blow away Jake Elliott, but it's like we he missed so many short ones that you you can't trust a – a kicker like that you you need someone with experience John Brown ain't missed much though <laughs> no he hasn't but he also hasn't kicked I mean there's not a regular season kick to his credit that no. is absolutely true so you, you wonder do they do what they did with Jake Elliott and try I mean try to get him on the practice squad I, I don't know there's not too many teams that you know probably you're going to be that unsettled and, kicker. and Jake Elliott was on a radar um right. coming out of college he was arguably one of the two draftable kickers in in that draft last year the kid that Cleveland took uh, was the other one, was the, were the main two kickers. So Elliott was on radars. Jonathan Brown, though, that 55-yarder from the other night's on somebody's tape somewhere. Yeah, it is. And the, the thing is, even if even if nobody grabs him on September 1st on cutdown day, it'll be, we saw what happened to Elliott last year. All it takes is one injury, and he's probably going to be the first guy that someone's going to take a shot Absolutely. So, Absolutely. But it, 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 was a, it was a rare situation last year to use a practice squad spot on a kicker. He was a fifth-round pick, so yeah, they, they took that chance. I don't know if they would do it this year or not, but it, it wouldn't be a bad idea because he's, he has shown not just incredible leg strength and incredible accuracy, but poise. I mean, for a guy that's never been out there in the lights and done it before, he really looks like he belongs. So I, I don't I don't think there's any way to keep him over Randy Bullock unless Randy Bullock just goes off the rails at Buffalo. You're right. It, but it was I thought it was odd that you know Randy kicked off the, the opening kickoff of the game and then they didn't use him 
again. They, they did, all they wanted to do was look at Jonathan Brown. And it's like, you know, if you are thinking about sneaking a guy through to the practice squad, why are you putting that much tape out there on it? Or maybe you throw him out there for the 55-yarder go, all right, when you miss this one, I realize that, that's, that, that'll be the easy decision. And he makes it, and it's like, all right, I'll give you another one. I'll give you a 34-yarder this time. Wait a minute, I'll give you an extra point now. And you made it. So... Um, to the kid's credit, he, you and I have talked to him. I mean, he's a likable kid. He's, you know, he, he feels really honored by all this stuff. Um, he has at least made it, not a competition, but he's at least put a seed in it in people's mind. And to his credit, also has put himself on tape for other teams in, in this league. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. I, I, I wonder what the split's going to be at Buffalo, if they're going to do the same thing and, and just have him handle everything or I got a feeling it's going to be Randy. Yeah, because Marvin seemed irked by the question. Right, and, very much so. And uh, maybe they maybe they want to just squash that right away. And, and but then again, you know, if, if you give Randy all the kicks and he misses a couple, then doubt creeps in. Yeah, yeah. for everyone, the for fans, every, for yes, coaches, correct, for Randy. correct. Yeah, correct. Uh, any final takeaways from the from the Dallas game? Um, no, I think we covered it uh, about it all. I, I, you know, people say that the preseason results don't matter, and they don't. But but when you have a team that's full of youngsters like this team is and coming off back-to-back losing seasons, I think there is something to say for back-to-back weeks coming back from deficits. And, you know, against Chicago, it was a 91-yard touchdown drive that put them ahead. And and then against Dallas, it was a 92-yard touchdown drive. That just starts building confidence. Doesn't matter anything. And Jeff Driscoll engineered those drives. Both, (laughs) Both of them, yes. But it, it, it just it, any any time you can add a little more confidence, especially to those guys on the back end of the roster that you're gonna you're gonna need at some point. I think it has a lot of value. All right, Jay, uh, congratulations on the move to the athletic. Tell people where they can find you on Twitter, by the way. Now, uh, yeah, it's now Jay Morrison A T H uh, J A Y, and then last name Morrison, and then A T H, and then uh, theathletic.com. Good good stuff, man. Appreciate the time. All right, it's for Jay Morrison, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast, presented by Planet Fitness here on Local12.com, the Bengals edition.